Hello, and welcome to the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel. A Strong Towns approach is all about seeing the challenges in your city and taking that next smallest step to start addressing them. Today's guest, Strong Towns member Ari Feinsmith, exemplifies that spirit. When he started biking to college about a 15-mile ride from his house in Sunnyvale, California, he quickly realized how dangerous and challenging it was just to get from point A to point B without a car. So Ari began attending public meetings and introducing himself to local elected officials who might be able to make streets a little safer. He joined the Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition, eventually becoming team leader of his local chapter. And since getting fired up about these issues a couple years ago, he's been involved in many successful campaigns to add bike lanes, bike parking, and make intersections safer for people on bikes. The natural effect is that this also makes streets safer for everyone in a vehicle, walking, you name it. While he was advocating for design and policy changes, Ari was also noticing how many people in his community didn't have the opportunity to bike because they had old bikes that were broken down and they didn't know how to fix them. Thinking about what small step he could take to change that situation, he helped set up a series of bike repair events, coordinating volunteers, getting use of a local parking lot, and negotiating discounts with a local bike shop for new parts. In total, he and his fellow volunteers have helped over 300 bikes get fixed for free or very cheap. Ari has also been thinking about transportation issues in his city on a holistic level, and after reading Strong Towns, one thing that really stood out to him was the amount of excessive, wasteful parking in Sunnyvale, space that could definitely be better used for businesses or homes or other public space. So he helped to lead a campaign to decrease parking minimums in Sunnyvale. I could go on about this inspiring young Strong Towns member, but I'll just stop talking here and get on with our interview so that you can hear from Ari himself. Ari Feinsmith, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It's really good to have you on the show today. Thanks, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also your community in Sunnyvale, California? Sure. So I am 21 years old. I grew up in Sunnyvale, California, which is a few miles west of San Jose. I uh, biked a lot as a kid, but it was mostly recreational. And then I started going to Mission College, which is a 15-minute bike ride from, from my house. I started really biking uh, for transportation for the first time then. And I saw how my, there was not, not good bicycle infrastructure. There were potholes, disappearing bike lanes and such. And so I wanted to get more involved and I wanted to, um, get, get changes done to make the city more bicycle friendly. So I started attending BPAC meetings, also known as uh, bicycle and pedestrian advisory commission meetings from my city and kind of dipping my toes in the water with that. And I attended a few city council meetings as well. And then I got involved with the Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition. And I worked on a campaign to improve our bicycle master plan. And that was a very useful experience for me. I learned how to make meetings with city council members and how to uh, run them. And then I also learned how to send emails to, to, to the city council and be an effective advocate. And then my, uh, my advocacy really took off from there. 
for, for those of you who've never been to Sunnyvale, it's a mid-sized city of about 156,000 people. And it's mostly like our one neighborhood with a couple of uh, big tech companies in the area like Google. I think LinkedIn is in the area as well. And so that provides some really interesting opportunities for uh, bicycle infrastructure. And along my journey of learning more about bicycle infrastructure, I learned about strong towns and that gave me a lot of inspiration and a, and a lot of tools like the, the streets, strodes and roads framework, which really has helped me a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely want to hear more about your, your bike work, but first, um, how, how did you find strong towns and how did you decide to become involved and become a member? And also thank you so much for being a supporting member for a while. Yeah, of course. I think I learned about Strong Towns because I got, I used to get City Lab in my uh, email, and I think there's a Strong Towns article in one of those. And I opened it up and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And so I started digging more into Strong Towns articles and then started following uh, Strong Towns on social media. And from there, it kind of took off. So in Sunnyvale, is it typical to have a lot of people biking or are you kind of an outlier? Is it like a pretty um, car-oriented place where you have to drive to get around for most folks? It's mostly car-oriented. I think last time I checked, about 2% of trips are by bike. But we have a lot of potential. Uh, Sunnyvale, is, as the name suggests, has a lot of good weather. And so and it's almost entirely flat. And so it's it's the perfect place to get more bicycle infrastructure and really get more people riding their bikes. Yeah. So what led you to, I guess, have the confidence to say, okay, like I'm encountering this issue with biking. Now I want to step up and actually try to see about making a change. I feel like a lot of people could, you know, spend their life trying to bike and walk places and feeling frustrated by it, but not actually taking that step to investigate how to change it. Yeah. I think I just, Attending the various public meetings helped me meet the right people, I think. And so I just asked them, hey, there, I have this issue on my street or this issue over here. How can I get this changed? And I think part of it is just not being afraid to fail and because you have nothing to lose. Because if, if you don't do anything, then you lose anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So what are some of the specific ways, you know, since joining those first public meetings, what are some of the ways that you've been working to improve bike access in your city? Ooh, that's a good question. So I've spoken up at a couple uh, bicycle pedestrian advisory commission meetings and city council meetings, but I think the most powerful work I do is meeting with city council members. Uh, if I, I can back up a little bit, uh, I joined the bike coalition the Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition Sunnyvale team about, what was it, 2020? And then within eight months, I was asked to be the leader of the team. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was actually a funny story. Where it was like a Zoom meeting between, with the current leader who was, who was uh, retiring and one other person and me, and the other person was busy, so it had to be me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I actually felt like I was pretty prepared for it just because I had done – I'd led a campaign before, and and so I was able to use that experience. And the, our strategy that we use for the Sunnyvale uh, Silicon Valley Bicycle Coalition team 
is if we're doing a lobbying campaign, it, it's kind of broken down into three parts. First, we, we do the research and then we meet with city council members. So we meet with like maybe five of us will meet with a city council member and we'll give them the pitch on why we need bike lanes on the street or why we should be prioritizing active transportation, something like that. And we will usually have like some kind of PowerPoint and then we'll leave it for, we'll have, we'll, after we do the PowerPoint, we kind of have a discussion on uh, where they're at and, and convincing them on uh, whatever issues that they might uh, see with it. And then our, the second part is sending emails to the city council. Uh, we might send a whole bunch of like emails that all look the same, but I, I try to make people encourage other bicycle advocates to send customized emails that are like personalized. And so like when city council receives like a tidal wave of emails all saying, Hey, we need bike lanes on the street, please remove the parking. But they're all like, you know, customized and personalized. It, it has a very powerful effect. And then the third thing we do is we speak up at public meetings. So um, I've, as a, as a leader of the Sunnyvale team, there's about, I think 150 people on our group, uh, maybe only 25 are active, but that's still a lot of people that we can call up and say, Hey, please speak at this meeting in favor of the bike lanes here or in, in favor of this project. And so it's a lot of what I do is, is just getting people to speak at the right time at the right place and say the right things. Yeah, you're definitely an organizer, it sounds like, and a leader. What are some of the specific things that you all have been really pushing for in Sunnyvale? It sounds like definitely bike lanes. Um, are there other bike access things like, I don't know, bike racks or like general traffic calming efforts? Um, yeah, what are, what are those different ways you're trying to improve bike access generally? Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the interesting things we're working on right now is, so there is a big stroad that goes through the middle of Sunnyvale called El Camino Real, and the city is updating its specific plan around it. And one of the things that we're trying to push for is increasing the minimum bicycle parking requirements, not to be confused with vehicle parking requirements. And the thing that makes that's so important about raising the uh, bicycle requirements, parking requirements, is that uh, oftentimes these get the bicycle parking gets overlooked. It's just not that good, and adding by enough bicycle parking is pretty cheap, and doesn't take up a lot of space, unlike car parking. And it really helps to shift the shift away from our car centric setup as it currently is. And so we're advocating for uh, increasing the amount of required uh, long term bicycle storage. Uh, requirements. So like uh, having space, say in a bike locker or a dedicated bicycle storage room, that's one of the things we're doing. Uh, another thing we're doing is uh, there's these underpasses that are being planned that go underneath these Caltrain tracks. And the city is trying to reduce the amount of at-grade crossings between cars, people, and bikes and trains. And so they're going to go underneath the tracks. And so we've been uh, working with the local, uh, one of, some of the transportation staff at the city to try and tweak the designs of these underpasses to be as bicycle friendly as possible. That's great. And have they been receptive to that? Yeah, they, they have been. It's, I'm, I've been really pleased with our work and the city staff has been at Sunnyvale has been doing a great job as well. 
Yeah, it seems like um, working with leadership has been a big part of your advocacy. Um, are there other important partners in this work besides um, like elected officials? Yeah, I, I def- so definitely elected officials, definitely city staff. I think one of the most important things as a bicycle advocate that I can do is maintaining our good reputation and our credibility. Um, and so being honest, like here's, here's the situation. I remember one time I, I sent, uh, there's like a accident on my street and I, I was pretty distraught about it. And I sent an email to city council. And then I later learned that part of the things that I'd learned that I had said in the email were actually factually wrong. So I sent a follow-up email to the city council saying, Hey, sorry, I was wrong about this. One of the city council members got back to me, said, Hey, like no one's ever apologized like that before. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really admirable and builds credibility, as you said. How does Strong Towns and this approach of incremental bottom-up action inspire your work? Uh, Part of what Strong Towns helped us do is we actually led a campaign to reduce parking minimums in the city, uh, which uh, was definitely helped by Strong Towns. Um, and uh, I did a lot of uh, rereading of the Strong Towns articles about reducing parking minimums. And so we had this campaign earlier this year to where we met with city officials and uh, we tried to uh, convince them to adopt a study issue to investigate reducing our parking minimums. Um, one of the interesting things was that I was actually able to find a study by a urban planner at the Santa Clara University, sorry, the University of Santa Clara, who had done a whole analysis of parking minimums in the Silicon Valley. And I think according to his data, if we had lowered our parking minimums for office buildings, we would have been able to fit, we could have built more office space resulting in, I think, 3,000 more jobs just in Sunnyvale. Wow. Yeah. So it was really useful to have that knowledge. And we created a, uh, so, you know, we did a usual create a presentation meet with city council members uh and whatnot and we talked to or and and ultimately what happened is the city's now investigating reducing parking minimums for residential uses so we'll we'll see what happens with that but i'm I'm excited that we we have definitely made a difference and we've gotten the ball the ball rolling yeah that's a big accomplishment and i'll link for everybody to an article that we ran about your efforts to reduce parking minimums. Um, I think it was earlier this year or last year. You know, I think probably a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably pretty bought in on the idea that um, bikes, you know, bike infrastructure and the opportunity for more people to bike is generally, you know, better for our cities economically, environmentally, health-wise, socially, like everything. Um, But I also think there are plenty of arguments Um, that bike improvements benefit even people who aren't interested in biking or can't bike. Um, Do you see, do you see those taking place in your city as you've improved bike access and bike infrastructure? Like, is that part of the arguments that you're able to make at your city? Yeah, definitely. I'll I'll give you an example. There is a street called Sunnyvale Avenue, which, you know, Sunnyvale Avenue and the city of Sunnyvale can be a little confusing, but the point being is that we had a there is this stretch of it that doesn't have bike lanes. It has fairly high volumes of traffic and there's car parking on the side. And so cyclists have to take the lane, meaning riding in the center of the lane 
Um, and then cars back up behind the cyclists and, you know, no one's happy with that because then the cars go slowly and the cyclists get stressed out. And so part of the argument we were making with that was, hey, let's remove the parking on one side of the street, put in the bike lanes and so that way uh, both vehicles and or drivers and cyclists uh, feel safer. Yeah, I feel that so much. Like when I'm biking in my city uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which it doesn't have great bike infrastructure at all. Like a lot of times I just have to be biking in the street. There's not even like a shoulder, really. There's definitely no bike lane. And there will be cars honking behind me. And I just want to say to them like, hey, if there was a bike lane here, I wouldn't be backing up traffic like this. But I have to bike here because there's nowhere else for me. So yeah, I definitely hear that argument. What are some of the results that you're most proud of in your your work so far? Definitely the um, campaign that I mentioned about Sunnyvale Avenue. That was a very difficult one because it involved taking away parking on, on street parking and, you know, how people can get about that. And but this was a super important corridor because it's the most uh, heavily used north south corridor for cyclists in the, in the city. And so filling in this last three quarters mile gap was really important and we were successful. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. I think that's that's what I'm most proud of. I'm also very proud of our uh, work on my street, actually. So I live on this street called Tasman Drive. And it's a very unique street because it has uh, two car lanes in each direction and a light rail line that goes down the center. But there are no sidewalks or bike lanes. And so there are people who will like walk along the walk in the gutter of the street or along the trees. And it's really dangerous because if a car comes around a blind corner, it could hit them or they could trip and fall and then, you know, get hit. And so during the pandemic, I saw, hey, there's a whole lot less traffic. So let's put in a uh, temporary lane closure. And I advocated for getting it done on both sides of the street. It only ended up being done on the uh, south side. Uh, but it was still really good because what happened was we were, the city uh, did some quick build infrastructure and removed one of the traffic lanes and dedicated it for walking and biking. And I see people using it all the time. I see mothers carrying, uh, rolling their kids in their strollers along it, cyclists biking along it because it's, it's much more comfortable and safer than uh, just taking the lane. And so I'm really proud of that. And then we were able to extend it for we got it originally installed for 12 months and then we got extended for another 12 months. And in August, I'm hoping we'll be able to uh, keep it going. And in the meantime, we also got the city to pass a study issue uh, to study making it permanent on both sides of the street. So it would finally be you know, safe on both sides and that would be amazing. And I think, I, th I think it's definitely possible and I'm really hopeful. Yeah, that's a great accomplishment. Um, something we haven't talked about yet too, is the bike repair events that I know you've helped lead. What are, what are those? How did you make that happen? Oh yeah. So in, let's see, late 2020, it was, I was talking to some college friends and both of them had bikes, but didn't use them because there was something minorly wrong with them. And, uh, I realized that there are probably a lot of people just like them who have their bikes in the garage. And they haven't used them in a while and there's something minorly broken with them, but they're not going to make the effort to bring it to a bike shop. But what if the fixing of the bikes were free? And so I had this idea of starting a free bike repair event. So I gathered a core group of uh, volunteers to help me organize this. And we 
chose a location. It was a parking lot near a bike shop. And the whole idea was we'd have a bunch of volunteer mechanics come set up a canopy, set up some canopies and have people come and get their bikes fixed. And if they need a new part, they could just walk across the street to the bike shop. And this would benefit the bike shop because they would get new, um, they'd get more uh, people to come who wouldn't normally come and buy stuff from them. And it benefits us because, you know, we're, we're getting more people to ride their bikes. And so our first event was pretty successful. I think we fixed around 35 bikes. Uh, and that was a very exciting event. And so we repeated it. And since then, we've done, I think, 10 free bike repair events. And we've fixed over, what was it, 382 bikes. Wow. And that's all just like you got volunteers to help uh, get people's bikes fixed up. So no cost to them. Yeah, exactly. And there's, um, it's really powerful to me just seeing how these events bring together the community, uh, people meeting each other. Uh, I remember that during one of our free bike repair events, there was a family with a cute little toddler who they had just bought a little pink bike from Goodwill and they needed new tires or new tubes and a little fixing up. And so one of our mechanics fixed it for her. And pretty, pretty soon she was riding around the parking lot, all like smiles and it was really uh, heartwarming. And then I actually learned later that uh, the little girl and her family, their house had burned down in the Santa Cruz wildfire about a month earlier and they were living in a hotel. And so we are, are fixing this bike for her and giving this bike for her to her really was, we, we made a big difference in their life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Bike repair is something that I feel like a lot of people don't have the skill for. And I have to admit, I also don't have very many skills uh, for fixing bikes, except like the most basic of issues. So that's something I think a lot of people could benefit from, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and I think these events also taught me to be adaptive and you know learning on the fly. We ran into problems, you know, as the event would go on um, and I have to kind of be on my toes for example, one time I accidentally scheduled a free bike repair event during the Sunnyvale Art and Wine Festival, which is which attracts people from like all over the city and surrounding cities. There's a whole bunch of they close down the street. They have a whole bunch of booths, art and wine and whatnot. And so, as you can imagine, parking was uh, in high demand, and our event was a parking lot. And so uh, we adapted and I created some short-term parking spaces that were like where you could park for five to 10 minutes to drop something off or pick something up from a nearby store for the you know surrounding stores. And then also if someone was coming to bring their bike by car, they could park temporarily, unload their bike. And we'd watch it and they'd repark in a garage where there was more space. And then they'd come back and we'd fix their bike. And I think that worked really well. Although the dance studio did not like us at all. And they actually filed a police report on me after the event uh, which was very funny. And um, yeah, that was, that was all resolved fine. Um, but then we, we, the city had to formally tell us, hey, you can't do this anymore because this is a parking lot for cars. And I, I think the local businesses like really appreciated us being there actually because we, we brought in more business because, you know, people are getting food downtown when they come to our events, they're buying parts and whatnot. Um, but we had to move. So we moved two blocks away in this place called Plaza del Sol, which is actually, I think, a better location anyway. Um, 
and it's right by the train station. And so we, we moved there and it's actually been really great since. Adaptability, definitely. Well, as another accomplishment, I have to congratulate you because I know you were named one of the 2022 Bike Champions of the Year by the Bay Area Bike Tour Every Days group. So um, very exciting, especially for somebody so young. It's awesome. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to working on in the future? Um, I'm sure you're also busy, you know, going to college, but um, in terms of your your bike work or other um, advocacy to make your community stronger? Right now, I'm planning to, so I've done three years at community college and I'm transferring to UC Davis in the fall. And so I'm looking for, I'm trying to hand off the leadership of the Sunnyvale team to someone else. And at the same time, I'm also uh, thinking about the future. And so I'm planning to major in civil engineering and specifically transportation so I can make our streets more productive and safer for people on bike and by walk and for walking and in cars. And so that's where I want to take my career at the moment. And I'm excited to see where that might take me. That's great to hear. Well, to close us out, um, what advice would you give for somebody listening that is interested in trying to make their town more bike friendly too? Yeah, I'd say go to meetings, go to public meetings, um, especially when there's a topic related to transportation and see which city council members align with, with what this, with the strong towns uh, ideology and also see who else is there from the public. Cause I think the most, in, the best way to get change in your city is by forming a, a group of, you know, small, a, a group of people who are passionate about making a change and the, and there are plenty of experts or people who are more knowledgeable than yourself likely in your city. And so tapping into their knowledge and their expertise can really uh, help you with your own bicycle advocacy as well. And then I think my other suggestion is to don't be afraid to meet with city council members. Uh, in my experience, all the city council members have been uh, interested in, in talking and listening and sharing their opinions. And I think we can really benefit by having these, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations to build a, a strong town. Well said. Well, thank you so much, Ari. Really appreciate the chance to hear from you and learn about all the work you've been doing to make your community more bike friendly. It's really inspirational. Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Rachel. All right. I hope you appreciated that conversation with Ari as much as I did. After we hung up, um, he emailed me to share a guide that he created for starting your own free bike repair event in your city. So if you'd like to access that, I will put that in the show notes. It's super comprehensive. Um, definitely give it a read and I hope that you might take it to heart and, and do it in your community. And if so, let me know, um, send me an email, rachel at strongtowns.org. Thank you to all of our Strong Towns members, people like Ari who are out there doing amazing work in their community to make their town stronger. We love our members. Our members are this whole movement. If you'd like to become a member and join an awesome group of people like Ari Feinsmith, head to strongtowns.org slash membership. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. Mm -hmm.